0: So, uh, we have seen these two problems, Sri solving for us problem of existence is there existence of course we all have a limited existence, but not just in this sense, is there an ultimate reality, stable basis? So very beautifully he says, yes, but we are not able to understand it based on our human conception. Why? Because we believe that the whole purpose of this existence is to like a problem solving chat GPT that's all and very beautifully I'll just read one little passage because it's very powerful before we proceed this is on page 78 we instinctively act and feel and weave our life Thoughts as if this stupendous world movement were at work around us as center and for our benefit, for our help or harm, or as if the justification of our egoistic cravings, emotions, ideas, standards were its proper business, even as they are our own chief concern. When we begin to see, we perceive. That it, it means that existence. It exists for itself, not for us. has its own gigantic aims, its own complex and boundless idea, its own vast desire or delight that it seeks to fulfill, its own immense and formidable standards which look down as if with an indulgent and ironic smile at the pettiness of ours. Look at it from one standpoint, that supreme existence. And yet, and that's where Srivindho, always we see in Srivindho this wonderful balance. So he says, and yet, let us not swing over to the other extreme and form too positive an idea of our own insignificance. That too would be an act of ignorance and the shutting of our eyes to the great facts of the universe. For this boundless movement does not regard us as unimportant to it. And then he says that how through the individual it seeks to fulfill himself, look at the smallest activity, the hand that sent Jupiter spinning through heaven spends all its cunning to fashion a curl. So it pours itself completely. This was the first thing. Second, that there is a conscious force and all is ultimately their play. So, consciousness builds the world and multiplies the one existence into many, many, many existences for the Lord, for that one existence to dwell. So, that also we have, in the previous chapter Shubhita has explained to us, That the two are one, existence and consciousness. And consciousness or the capacity to manifest itself is inherent within it. And equally existence flows in consciousness. They are always together. But then why did they start at all? This is a big question. Dunya banane wale why did you start the play? Now, this question comes only because when we experience pain. When everybody is happy, one doesn't say, Then we say, thank you Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, this question, that why the play started at all? Because, there was no compulsion. Why no compulsion? Because... It is absolute existence in complete freedom. By definition freedom means no compulsion. Any idea we may say it had the desire or somebody compelled it. No. It is absolute. It can forever remain like this. Existence and consciousness together. So why is it impelled? So there we see the third term of what we call as divine. Ananda. Satchitananda. Then he takes up this third term and this term creates problems. We can understand existence because all of us have some existence. We believe we exist, whatever it is. (laughs) Maybe the body is me, whatever. And we all have little consciousness. So consciousness, yes, yes, there is consciousness. Where is ananda? People have even declared this life is full of sorrow, suffering. So first Shura does a course correction. He says, look here, first take the clear account of existence as it is. If we really look at life very impersonally, dispassionately, our own life or any life, by and large, the moments of, well, not ananda but pleasure, happiness, are more, much more than the moments of pain. Pain strikes us. Why? Because the basic sum is a state of joy of life. Even when this joy is gone and it turns back upon itself it is only because it feels that probably there is a greater joy somewhere else in another life after this. So there is behind everything either a delight or a seeking for delight. So there is ananda at play in this world. But still why should it So, he says very beautifully because just as existence multiplies itself in infinite ways, just as consciousness plays with itself, one consciousness becomes many levels, degrees, all these. So, to delight wants to infinitely vary itself. Just imagine. Why? because they are infinite infinite existence multiplies infinitely look at if we just look at the kind of forms and existences that exist even if we look at the sense of self among human beings I am not talking of the one divine self but there are so many varieties consciousness again similarly ananda also wants to multiply itself infinitely infinitely that's why no human being is satisfied with one kind of joy or with another kind of joy or with yet another even with many kinds of joy joy itself seeks its own infinity forms and forms this is described so beautifully is a child god which is at play and like a child at play it is not happy just with one kind of play many kinds of plays it Builds worlds, brings them down. All this it, it's doing. I mean, of course, uh, we'll take the next issue that, well, for a child, is playing with the worlds and bringing them down. What happens to those creatures? Just like we do it on a, you know, cartoon network or not network, those computer games. So, something like that. It, it is like a child which is playing. It's a Leela, delight. No other reason He is delight And this delight wants to express itself In countless ways Okay fine so far so good Why should this delight Become pain So this is a dilemma Problem And then we blame God Why he created this world Which is a world of pain and suffering Even little bit It should not be When God creates a world there should be no pain and suffering so, it raises ethical problem. What is the ethical problem? God is there and he has created a world. Duniya banane wale. Kya tu This is not Vedanta. This is a completely different understanding of God which we don't subscribe to. Indian conception of God is he has become this world. So, at least he is no more morally guilty that he is enjoying his heavens. He has created this world, condemned us all. He is the player and he is the mask. Now, once you say this, then at least you can absolve God, okay? We have to bury Ramji because, well, <laughs> you yourself have taken the burden of suffering and pain. But still, why would he like to go through suffering and pain? What do we say to somebody who takes suffering and pain? Perverse. Why would he do this? What does it fulfill? And then the other question, see how human beings have tried to justify it. Srivastava takes up all these positions. One of them is, he made this world perfect and full of delight, man corrupted it. Who created man? And then the other question is, because of desire, where did desire come from? So you say ignorance. But why did ignorance come from? He could have made a world without ignorance. Aren't these valid questions? Then some people have a most fantastic theory. Mother test, I have never understood how can somebody use this word mother is testing. Not only she has become us, doesn't she know us? She has to test us. Okay, let me see, you will pass her, (laughs) you are on our side. Testing is by the cosmic forces. She is the one giving us grace marks. First she is telling us, you know, this will be the questions asked. Whispering into our, our ears. We don't listen. I am telling you prepare yourself. So we say oh this preparation is very painful. Then cosmic forces are there. Now why they are into existence we will talk about it. And then when they take our test we fail miserably. So what does she do? She says bachcha and na, grace marks. give him grace." She is ultimate authority. No? So we are all passing on grace marks. So on grace marks, we keep passing the test. But people have made such theories. God does it so that we can remember Him. Can we imagine someone creating pain so that you remember Him? Imagine a parent telling the child, My child, I am going to give you a lot of pain so that you know my value. I will rob you of all your money. Then you will come to Papa. Ask for the ATM card. What will he say to such a father? You don't deserve to be a dad. Isn't it? What will we say to a mother who punishes the child because he has done some transgress, something by saying, I am not going to give you food for today? <laughs> mother may scold, but mother will be with the child. She may scold. After that, she will say, Come. I made something nice for you. Even our own highest human sense of ethics, in that case will be better. And especially when we know that because it's ignorance and ignorance is like mental disease. When a person is in a mental disease, he hits us. So we don't say, oh, you will be sent to jail. Because we know, I, I've been, one, one patient stood in front of me on it. On the table and started dancing, army major. Hatta katta. Now I'm this side cornered, I don't know. Ma, 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 (laughs) na, japa. He's dancing and the glass broke. That was mother's grace. So it pinched him and so he jumped out the table and I said, Help. (laughs) That was grace that the glass broke. For a change, I was happy. Something broke. Now, but I can't blame him for this. No, he was mentally diseased. So, who would blame and condemn us for ignorance and act done in ignorance? So, all these are questions which are valid questions that if really Ananda is at the root of things, why this world is the way it is? So, this is the problem. Answer will be next session because these are two chapters. But Srivito takes up this problem so beautifully. I, I don't think anyone has taken these problems Star can bear. He is a realist in every sense. He is not passing the buck to us. He says, Buck has to stop with the creator. That is the origin. You can't just say, Man, I created you. You are the fellow, you are at fault, you are guilty, you are condemned, roast in hell, in Raurav Narak or Kumbi Park and God knows where all. <laughs> at least they are not eternal damnation where you are totally gone. That's not what God is, so he'll describe beautifully. So first he takes up this question, delight of existence, chapter 11. Delight of existence, the problem. And he says that, well, it is emerged because of delight. So this is fine, because delight wants to play with so many forms in so many ways. The ancient Vedantic theory of cosmic origin is immediately confronted in the human mind. What theory? It is because of Anand. Last bedrock. Anandam Brahmeti, And this was the discussion. shobindo would have with... shobindo would not have. Let me put it the other way right. Mother's husband would have with Shorabindu. So he would say this world is because of desire. That's how the Buddhism is understood. No, I don't know whether. So abolish desire. You come out of And because of desire there is suffering. There are a lot of Loopholes in the theory, but it's okay, fine. And Shobhinda would say it's for delight, Ananda Brahmeti. That's what the Upanishads tell us. And the mother would sit down and she says, All my mental constructions were gone. She would be in that state of blissful silence. So, ancient Vedantic theory of cosmic origin is immediately confronted in the human mind by two powerful contradictions. The emotional and sensational consciousness of pain and the ethical problem of evil. For if the world be an expression of Satchitananda, not only of existence that is conscious force for that can easily be admitted, but of existence that is also infinite self-delight. How are we to account for the universal presence of grief, of suffering, of pain, For this world appears to us rather as a world of suffering than as a world of delight of existence. And then he corrects us, Certainly that view of the world is an exaggeration, an error of perspective, if we regard it dispassionately. So true. People go to satsang and they hear, Oh, this is full of suffering, everything. Na bhai hai, na bane hai, na all this, you know, it's only and God is very… They come back and if you tell them, God has called you, not even Yamraj, God has sent you message, come soon. Oh, abhi to, you know, my g- child is to be, grandchild is to be born. A grandchild has come into existence and after some time… After all these things that this world is full, why? Because actually there is in it love, joy, and harmony, beauty. These three go together. Because of that, the world forgets to die. That's how Shaginda says. So while it is true, pain strikes us as an anomaly, we don't like it. But even there, we don't try to say that we want release from the world, we say we want release from the pain. Because you want to go back to that state of joy. <coughs> so, he says, let us not exaggerate. Nevertheless, the abnormality of pain or it is greater or lesser sum does not affect the philosophical issue. Okay, okay it's not the thing in life, and but yet it is there. So, philosophically, why should Ananda have this pain? <coughs> now, some of the most masterful... Satchitananda, it may be reason, is God, is a conscious being who is the author of existence. How then can God have created a world in which he inflicts suffering on his creatures, sanctions pain, permits evil? God being all good, who created pain and evil? If we say that pain is a trial and an ordeal, if, many of us still say this, and worst of all, mother is testing us. People ask sometimes this question why is mother giving me pain? I said, for God's sake, don't bring her to this kind of absurdity. So, if we say that pain is a trial and an ordeal, we do not solve the moral problem, we arrive at an immoral or non moral God. An excellent world mechanist, perhaps a cunning psychologist, <laughs> mechanist. You had, you know, he becomes so absurd. Somebody is hit by a truck. I have seen this. And the person had fracture and some of us were very annoyed with right? this truck. They should have some regulation, find out who that fellow is. One of our uh, Air Force boys. His wife rather. So, he was walking on the road. And then one of our big fellows who was a believer in XYZ and typical karmic doctrine, he said, I said, my God, so we should just let him go. There is no problem. I know this is some past karma. And I remember once this thing was told to someone also who had a heart attack who was emerging. And another person Sab karmo ka likha hai ji. So after he left I was also there I said do you believe in all that He said he rubbed salt on injury I have a heart attack I can understand if you say Your diet was bad My cholesterol is good I have been doing exercise What karma have I done to suffer through all this So he says that such a god will be Maybe a mechanist Or maybe a cunning psychologist I will beat him So that he remembers me. But look now the power. But not a God of good and of love whom we can worship. That's how mother says. That till she had discovered the divine within, the God of religions. She said, whenever I heard about them, I thought they are monsters. (laughs) The God of religions they have created. is a monster who is condemning you, damning you. Punishing you for what? So that sudhar Even a good parent nowadays they don't do it. In fact if you try to do it, I know a 10 year old child whom in the school or somewhere somebody tried to you know beat and he said you know the law I can complain and you can get arrested. Even parents, sensible parents don't do that. They know it doesn't work. By hitting a child you create a very warped stifled consciousness it it makes things much worse so even God would not know is he he a psychologist who needs to study psychology from us so he says that is not the God that's why in Savitri we have the God of death which death brings out and he says all this this is karma he has to die all this he says he is impersonal he is not concerned with your worldly problems and then Savitri says who is this God imagined by thee? Not the God whom I have worshipped in the temple of my heart. She so describes. My God is fire and he sweetly suffers all. He says that what this God is whom I have worshipped. He leans, he embraces, he lifts out. That's what is God like. So he says that, well, it doesn't absolve the moral problem. So such a God will be only a God of might to whose law we must submit or whose caprice we may hope to propitiate. He can give us thunder and he can give us reward. If you give him nice uh, peda, laddu or bakra at least peda laddu is better Not killing anybody. He is happy. And if you don't give it, you had it. (laughs) Imagine. And really human beings have created such a God. No wonder children nowadays don't believe. It's not their fault. They are more developed. I had a little uh, once in a school, having this conversation or talk with the children. So one of the child in class 12, she tells me, Sir, I have a problem. Any question? I, I, she said, I have a question. What? I don't believe in God. So I said, all right. God believes in you. But what God you don't believe in? Now she had never thought like that. Then she said, well, a God who punishes, a God who is all the time, you know. I said, well, I also don't believe in such a God. We are on same page. But she was very surprised because all life, you know, you are indoctrinated so he said okay what kind of god you would believe in she said a god of love I said perfect we are together same boat same place (laughs) he took just an instant even about mother oh she is very strict if you do this now mother has said things like see a difference is when a mom or dad caution their child don't do this otherwise you will hurt yourself it is love but what we turn it don't do this Otherwise thou shalt be condemned. Now see the difference. Dad is saying this because you will get hurt. So he is telling us, teaching us. Mother is saying this. Because if you do this my child will... Doesn't mean she has abandoned us. If we get hurt where we will go? Ma, sorry. She says thousand times she will lift you up if you have this faith. Still she will say. Don't do this. Now this is not the way we have made it into a... Sh- Strict, rigid law. So he is revealing to us. For one who invents torture as a means of test or ordeal, stands convicted either of deliberate cruelty or of moral insensibility. And if a moral being at all is inferior to the highest instinct of his own creatures... Now we understand why atheism is becoming so common And this is a prediction sometime back also I made: Mankind will go through a phase of atheism Over the next 7-8 years More and more Then one is ready for Sanatana Dharma Because only in Sanatana Dharma you have this thing that Divine has become all this We have the complete explanation God of religions Punishing, condemning, rewarding God knows and rewarding for what because you change your name. As simple as that. No, sir. It doesn't work. Like that's, that's making a God of our own image and imagination. That's why Sri Ramakrishna said the Semitic religions gave to the world uh, God fearing people. Kufr se daro. My God. If he gets annoyed, obviously we stand no chance. <laughs> he doesn't have to get angry. Shivji uh, got a lot But India gave to the world God loving. Because it discovered the heart of love. And wherever in whichever religion, either that love is not discovered or forgotten, that has become very harsh, cruel and been subject to many 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 kind of moral ills and evils in the name of religion why because they saw sat they saw chit they understood purush prakriti in whatever many even neglected prakriti they saw only sat and sat is inert mechanical but they didn't see ananda they didn't see love so what did they say all forms of ananda are banished no music no poetry No photography, nothing, no dressing in any colored, beautiful way. But we should not worry. God has gone there and made a temple, even in the desert land. And people have begun to wear below the burqa colored scarves. Notice it's very interesting. You're not supposed to do that. Color, music, poetry, art, culture literature no no anything that gives you joy should be banned why because joy ananda all equal to pleasure pleasure is a degradation but that we will talk about later so he says such a god would be convicted because even a higher human instinct we say that pain is an inevitable result and natural punishment of moral evil an explanation which will not even square with the facts of life Unless we admit the theory of karma and rebirth by which the soul suffers now for antenatal sins in other bodies at least we should have a flash and not only it has antenatal suffering it has postnatal suffering also he will roast in hell <laughs> depend <laughs> poor fellow he's is caught in between doesn't know why uh, uh, Pandavas have to suffer like this Oh, you were very bad guy. Then how did they become dharmatmas? So all that he will deal with in great detail on the uh, book where he deals with rebirth. So right now. We still do not escape the very root of the ethical problem. Who created or why or whence was created that moral evil which entails the punishment of pain and suffering. After all, somebody created the moral evil. Tendency. That's how people can do. If they don't know, they will not do. So there is somewhere, someone who allowed the twist. And seeing that moral evil is in reality a form of mental disease or ignorance, who or what create, created this law or inevitable connection which punishes a mental illness or act of ignorance by recoil, so terrible by tortures often, so extreme and monstrous. Will we do that? Child doing something in ignorance? What will be our natural way? To illumine. That will be the spontaneous thing. The Child doesn't know. To illumine. The inexorable law of karma is irreconcilable with the supreme moral and personal deity. And therefore, the clear logic of Buddha denied the existence of any free and all-governing personal god. All personality he declared to be a creation of ignorance and subject to karma. In truth, the difficulty thus sharply presented arises only if we assume the existence of an extra-cosmic personal god. Then there is a problem. Then what do we have is Manishianism. What is Manichaeism? Named after money. Not our Tamil money. <laughs> money. And people say that many things in Islam and later Christianity were taken up by him. Money. He was a prophet. And he had said that, you know, he believed Buddha, Christ, all these were prophets. He is the last. See, this is what the problem comes. He is the last. So now, because he is the last, he said... That life is to be parted into good and bad. Like a moral science textbook. The big problem of moral science is you will get marks but you can never follow it. Life doesn't operate like that. Life doesn't have that operating system. It moves through shades of grey. This black and white is a falsity of our own understanding. So, but Manishianism, that's how Shubhendra even uses this when he describes the darkest state of humanity because people have erected a Manishian creator who punishes evil, the wrong sinners and who reward the good uh, the Gita's phrase is different we'll talk about it at an appropriate time he is an extra cosmic god In the Gita Krishna has become all this and he says that he Ultimately destroys the world. Why? Because if you start destroying evil doers, you will have none left. Of course, in the end, you will have to destroy yourself, if you are sincere. That's why when mother was asked, why don't you destroy falsehood? You know the four Asuras. He said, all of you will be destroyed. All of you are eating on that fellow. He is feeding you nice halwa, pudi, everything. You are enjoying the meal. Now if I finish him, you will be finished. I have to first detox you <laughs> clear, carefully remove falsehood and bring in truth till your system at least works 95% on truth maybe then 5% I can take here at least a handful of human beings 100 that is also difficult so he states the problem but then if we take so he speaks about implied Manishianism But such a God is not the Vedantic Satchitanant, Manishan creator, who is sitting above and who has created good and evil. And depending on what choices people make in ignorance, by the way, they will be punished or rewarded. Sachidananda of the Vedanta is one existence without a second. All that is, is he... Even then evil and suffering exist. It is he that bears the evil and suffering in the creature in whom he has embodied himself. The problem then changes entirely. That's what we see in the idol of Jagannath. People try to explain it in different ways. One fantastic explanation that I adored was that he has taken upon himself the suffering of everyone. And therefore that incompleteness. But I have a different take on this beautiful story. Because the one who built it, built it only half and then the queen knocked and Vishukarma opened the door and it remained incomplete now this is very interesting I am resisting the temptation to go into this story, well the, the thing is that well, the world is still in creation and the mind's curiosity, what are you doing so long have you, you have taken what are you doing, what are you doing, because Vishukarma had said don't ask me, don't raise questions don't bring me out and the queen feels why he is not opening the door, like we say why God is taking so long, why you are doing what you are doing. So the mind asks the questions, and the world remains incomplete. But what is left incomplete in Jagannath Puri is <laughs> being worked out here in Sri Arvind Puri. That's why he wants us to be patient. Don't rush into questioning, asking. Have faith. Go through that process. He does not want to finish it halfway through. So, well, so moral dilemma is because then problem changes, he has entered into the play. Half of the moral difficulty, that difficulty in its one unanswerable form disappears. It no longer arises, can no longer be put. Cruelty to others, I remaining immune, or even participating in their sufferings, by subsequent repentance... Or belated pity is one thing, self infliction of suffering, I being the sole existence is quite another. Now those sometimes he takes a very beautiful aside. So he says. <clears throat> okay. I being Okay. Still the ethical difficulty may be brought back in a modified form. All delight being necessarily all good and all love, how can evil and suffering exist? In sachidananda since he is not mechanical existence, but free and conscious being, free to condemn and reject evil and suffering, we have to recognize that the issue so stated is also a false issue. Because it applies the terms of a partial statement as if they were applicable to the whole. Now we understand, take one step. For instance, if somebody subjects himself to surgery, what is surgery going to do? Give you pain. Maybe take you off the work. Maybe you will lose uh, salary, wages for some days, incapacitate you for some time. And yet, the person may make a choice, even if it involves a little bit loss of limb. Why? Because when you see the whole, this is the right decision. So, when we look at the wholeness of things, Divine is not experiencing me as only me. He will take up all these questions, still, what about me? (laughs) We should hold it. But when we experience the whole, then just as billions of stars disappear and vanish. So too billions of forms go back where he who to some gives victory. Okay, I'll read the, the full four lines. It is to our on birthday. And he says that, you know, rejoice and fear not for the storms that swell and the winds that thunder. For our captain holds the rudder well he does not sleep and then he says even those who sink in the victorious flood where do they sink into his breast he who to some gives victory joy and good to some gives rest so if you see from that perspective what did the divine do when we see someone dying he has taken him into his lap into his heart to build another form better form so when we see it from the divine standpoint but the individual suffers why because of ignorance and he will deal with each of these problems but in the whole what we call as evil and pain assume a very different dimension when we see things on a whole and the other is he says We have to recognize if thus view the whole, not limiting ourselves to the human difficulty and the human standpoint that we do not live in an ethical world. God crashed all our notions. We thought world was built by a moralist. For all my good deeds, for my honest tax paying, I will have a seat booked in heaven. (coughs) Bad luck. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Look at this world. It's not built by barrel. So what is there? Material nature is not ethical. The flood comes, it doesn't say, oh, you're a good man, okay, okay. Of course, there are people who are saved, that's a different thing altogether. It doesn't say, have you paid the income tax? Okay, be on the side. When the flood comes, it comes. When the volcano erupts, it erupts. If you are near it, Bad luck. When the tiger leaps, he leaps, he doesn't ask, not only material nature, animal nature is not ethical, it is immoral. tiger feels hungry. You can't tell a serpent, we worship you as Vasuki, come oh such a cute little serpent, here he'll do, <laughs> he will take you to Shiva, because you called him Vasuki, so he'll take you to Shiva in <laughs> next bite. He is not acting according to, moral. oh he is so nice, he is doing kuchu and you know, the serpent will be very pleased. No, he will bite, transport it to Shiva, straight away. He is not acting on moral grounds. Tiger is not acting on moral grounds. Of course there is a greater power which can overpower, that's a different thing altogether. But normally, tiger doesn't say, oh I am hungry but you know, you are a good guy. I'll let you go. (laughs) So, all this is there. So, material nature is non-ethical and similarly, animal and plants are non-ethical. We do not blame the tiger because it slays and devours its prey any more than we blame the storm because it destroys or the fire because it tortures and kills. And then he says something very beautiful. Blame and condemnation or rather self-blame and self-condemnation are the beginning of true ethics. In man it, it takes this form and something very beautiful for us to remember always. When we blame others without applying the same law to ourselves, we are not speaking with a true ethical judgment. That's what is meant. One who throws the stone... Must be pure of all sin. That's what Christ tells when they want to stone. I believe there are people who still believe in stoning and cutting hands. I don't know how primitive man can get, but still, he says that you know, when we blame others, it is the sign we are not ethical. True ethics begin when I look at myself. I am the one, maybe the cause of making somebody suffer then you will refrain do not do unto others what you would not like to be done to you or do unto others what you would like to do to yourself this is the beginning of ethics however this recoil or dislike is the primary origin of ethics but is not itself ethical. The fear of the deer for the tiger, the rage of the strong creature against its assailant, is a vital recoil of the individual delight of existence from that which threatens it. Now he takes us to another level. Why do we experience pain? Something is obstructing the flow of delight. Delight is the one which is carrying us out of joy. That's how Kanyakumari's pain and anguish, she wants to marry Shiva. But if Shiva and she gets married, then Banasur. Well, I think it was name was Banasur, if I am not mistaken. Then he, he, had to die only of a virgin, Kumari, and this man had a rule in his kingdom. Everybody, the moment they are crossed and get them married. But Kanya Kumari she doesn't get married. The story is so beautiful because she loves Shiva nobody else so they try then one day Shiva is moved by the Bhakta and he is coming now gods have a problem if he actually marries now chance is gone so they try to stop him so once again Lord Vishnu makes it appear with sun god and all of them conspire moan that you know it is day so Shiva says oh muhurta is over so he stops there it's a very beautiful And painful pathos is there. So she waits forever. But with that fire of anguish, everything she destroys, the entire kingdom of Panasura. That anguish that she carries. A very, very, very deep story. One of the beautiful stories that I have heard, uh, again resisting is that even that, so she destroys everything in that rage, born out of her, a world which has separated her from her Lord. That's why she is always Kumari. She never gets married. It's a beautiful thing. But why do we feel pain? Something obstruct. Why? Because I was on a joy trip. Something came in the way. And so what is more common? Delight. Why do we hate? Because I have expectations out of love which are not fulfilled. Which is the background? Love. When somebody hates you, means he or she loves you actually. Only it has taken this perverse form. Maybe it can be brought back to the original form. See, Sri Krishna, one of his wife is Shabya. She is very much like an animal. But she gets impulses to kill him. And Sri Krishna keeps him near her. him, Because he knows one day she will change. So there is not this... This thing that, oh, so and so is hating, I should also hate. Now this response of love is given from a very high compassion which understands this is love turned inside out. Background is love. If a person, That's why people say, if somebody stops fighting, then what's gone wrong? Have you stopped loving me? People ask this question. What has happened? Why you are not fighting? Though I do believe that no, life should be all harmony and beauty. But as of now, that's how it is. So he says, Man desires self-expression, self-development, in other words, the progressing play in himself of the conscious force of existence. That is his fundamental delight. Whatever hurts that self-expression, self-development, satisfaction of his progressing self is for him evil. Whatever helps, confirms, raises, aggrandizes, ennobles it, is, is good. That's how we have good and evil. Same person may be evil for one but good for another. Why? Because we are looking at it from a personal standpoint. Which standpoint? Delight. I want to express life like this and somebody comes in the way so becomes evil. And then he says that Well Page 105 The world has three layers Infra-ethical Ethical ethical, and supra-ethical We have to find that which is Common to all For only so can we resolve the problem So when we see common to all It is again Sat-chit-ananda is common to all So you may say how ananda Again now see when we look at a whole poem Poem Ask Vyas, why did you insert this scene of Draupadi, Chiran? Those people say it's not there in original Vyasma. Anyways, as we have received it, whoever inserted. Ask why did you make this gory scene of Bhima? So we want a curated version of Mahabharata. What will happen? Pandavas were very nice guys, and so was Karna and Duryodhana, and all the brothers lived happily hereafter. Fine. But mankind has not reached that stage. So it has to go through the challenge of life. So in Mahabharata, he brings out all these characters. Who are all these characters? If you ask, we ask. He says, all of them are myself. Something of me, I put it. The difference is, I put it in the right place, in the right proportion. But human beings put it in the wrong place, in the wrong proportion. That is the difference. In divine, all these things are there in the right proportion in the right measure that's how when we see the world stare the describes in Savitri we see that all even here he says there were things which if they were enacted here upon earth they would you know look like aggrandized hell nice. look at what Shri Krishna is doing on the battlefield of uh, Kurukshetra, Shetra Kalosmi what is he doing he says literally described all the yudhas are going into his teeth. And he is crushing them, taking them. But why do we rejoice in it? Because we know it is Krishna. Even Arjuna and everybody, not only Duryodhana and company. And they are emerging from us. So we know it is Krishna, the delight. At the end, that whole experience gives delight. Whole Mahabharata and the Gita seem justified for this one experience. That's how when we read the whole poem, a pure aesthetic sense will see delight, rasa behind everything, and that is the effort when we turn sword fighting into an art like Kalaripattu and all that. So <clears throat> at the end. That it is delight, but it takes three forms in human beings. Pleasure, pain and indifference. Shobindu describes them very beautifully. So he says, Okay. On page 106, When we speak of universal delight of existence, we mean something different from, more essential and wider than the ordinary emotional and sensational pleasure of the individual human creature. So when people say divine takes all the suffering upon himself, does he suffer like us? No, he takes into himself. But it doesn't suffer like, oh my God, I'm having a pain, oh my God, it doesn't suffer like that. It takes, puts it in the right place, returns the good, original good. That's how he acts. Pleasure, joy and delight, as man uses the word, are limited and occasional movements which depend on certain habitual causes and emerge. Like their opposites, pain and grief, which are equally limited and occasional movements, from a background other than themselves. The background is delight. When delight of being seeks to realize itself as delight of becoming, that's when the problem comes. As long as you are quiet, no problem. As long The moment you begin to act, sometime this action will be in contradiction. Maybe come in the way of somebody else. So delight is obstructing and that person also wants to experience his delight. So in that delight and delight they are waging war with each other for the sake of delight, expanding their delight. But not delight, we experience joy, pleasure. That's what he is reminding us. To experience delight you have to go behind. Of which pleasure and pain are positive and negative currents. And then one place he describes pleasure as a perverse form. In the egoistic human being, the mental person emergent out of the dim shell of matter, delight of existence is neutral, semi latent, still in the shadow of the subconscious, hardly more than a concealed soil of plenty. This is a marvelous description. Where is delight hidden in us? He says, hardly mo- more than a concealed soil, possibilities there, of plenty, covered by desire with a luxuriant growth of poisonous weeds and hardly less poisonous flowers, the pains and pleasures of our egoistic existence. When the divine conscious force working secretly in us has devoured these growths of desire, when in the image of the Rig Veda, the fire of God has burnt up the shoots of earth, That which is concealed at the roots of these pains and pleasures, their cause and secret being, the sap of delight in them, will emerge in new forms, not of desire, but of self-existent satisfaction, which will replace mortal pleasure by the immortal's ecstasy. To experience delight, we have to be freed from pleasure. To experience, to get rid of pain, we have to get rid of attraction towards pleasure. They are twins. They come together. When we are unfortunate, then we have five pleasure and one pain. When God begins to look at us and call us, then for every single pleasure, there are at least two or three pains. It is written in undercurrents. So we go it like we buy a cloth, no, so it is written schemes, buy one T-shirt, get two free. None of them will be last for more than two months, and you will end up paying things heavy amount thinking, "Oh, they are doing a favor to you. Buy one pleasure, get two delights free. If you I have progressed further, buy one pleasure, get three delight uh, buy one pleasure, get three pains free. And if you are very developed by one pleasure, ten will chase you. <laughs> Till ultimately you will say, Teri talwar ke niche. <laughs> <laughs> I am dancing below thy sword. Anyways, you are going to cut off everything. With each drop of blood, I will only sing and dance thy glory. And have gratitude to thee. When does this happen? When desires have been burnt off. How they get burnt off by the fire of aspiration. Then delight emerges into the play. Until then, life is moved into these three streams of pleasure, pain, and in, indifference. The triple garb, the attire of the rapturous dancer on the way, the triple garb which he Starts casting off one by one and then what do we discover? Bliss, laugh nude on the peaks of the Absolute. We'll continue tomorrow. Probably there will be only one session because there will be films so we'll have only one session. The delight of existence, the solution.